we bought a property when the market was supposedly crashing and we share the insane results. Hi, I'm Sam Powell. I'm Jared Krause and we're the hosts of the Property Powers Australia podcast and in this episode we talk about why we bought this particular type of property, how much for the entry costs, the LVR, the location and also the results that we got within just nine months unexpectedly. Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation and um, we also jump into why and where to invest in locations outside of the normal uh, perception when everyone is in fear uh, more about the economy just because of what they're hearing in the media at the time. Yeah, we also discuss the pros and cons of defence, housing, leases and why people shy away from them versus what we actually did in this deal. Yeah, then we jump into the healthy debate of cash flow versus capital growth um, and we uh, yeah have a good little discussion around it, which was very informative. Um, so listen on in. But before we jump into this episode, uh, I just want to share with you that this is not the only way that we can help people for free. We have this really great resource on our website, propertypowers.au forward slash resources. And it's a mini course on how to maximize your borrowing capacity to help you get into a better quality asset and achieve a higher ROI. See you on the inside. Welcome to Property Pals, the podcast where we share everything around how to build a property portfolio from researching areas, financing, structuring, buying, selling and reinvesting to live a life of financial independence. As a disclaimer, any information shared by myself, Jared, Sam and the Property Pals team is strictly general and should not be taken as constituting professional advice. You should consider seeking independent legal financial and taxation advice from a qualified professional. All right, so I'm keen to chat about this one because this property, uh, how where do I even start with this? I guess I want to share this and I think we should share this um, example or this case study because uh, a, lot, a lot of people that I'm speaking to are buying property around this similar price range at the moment and uh, you're working with people doing the same thing and um, people are making considerations on do I buy a home first and do I buy an investment property first and what's better and why. And I thought just sharing this case study um, would be a good example of what's possible because yeah. especially in the market right like a lot of like everyone's like oh my god like recession could be coming interest rates being going up uh th especially through like an interest rate to continue to go up after i bought this property as well um, yeah, most people it? are thinking oh it's a worst time to buy when when was it was it february yeah so we started looking in uh the end of oh no maybe we secured it we secured it before christmas remember and oh, oh, at Christmas, I remember I was away. Mm. I was away with, with my family for Christmas and we were on the phone. And uh, that's another story to talk about. Uh, <laughs> but we were on the phone and I remember we, we locked, we confirmed, we, we signed a contract before Christmas and then we w had to wait for settlement a little bit longer. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, was it a delayed settlement? It was a delayed settlement, which was great. Uh, yeah. So uh, that was December 2022, and then we settled on it in 2023. So, do you want to share the details of the property and the purchase and stuff, or what have you? Yeah, got yeah. Um, 
So Jared obviously was ready for his number um, two investor property and mm-hmm. um, had one in Western Australia. From a, so from a strategic perspective, I was looking to other markets just to round out the portfolio and Queensland, Southeast Queensland was really showing some good signs of growth um, at the time. We saw the the data that I was looking at and research I was doing into markets and um, we got the confidence to go into Ipswich, which is uh, obviously just, I think it's like 40, 35K, 30K out of Brisbane. Yeah. Um, so the ripple effect there was strong. There was some good um, infrastructure projects going through, which gave me a lot of confidence that the growth in that region was um, going to keep pushing forward. And obviously the, the house prices down there were, I think back then it was, Maybe it was under five hundred thousand dollars the median house price, yeah, um, or just around that five hundred figure. Uh, it was a really interesting market to buy into, uh, and yeah, we were looking around, just sort of getting laser focused into what are the key areas we want to focus buying in, and um, the asset type was just a single house, so we're, we're going for more capital growth than cash flow in this perspective, um, and. You know, there's everyone's like, oh, they want the best of both worlds, and, and it really was because it was really strong capital growth prospects with you know, a reasonably good level of cash flow. I think, what, yeah, what ended up renting for? When- uh, we had it. It was renting at three, no, four twenty a week, yeah. uh, and then it was due for a rent increase because it was a DHA lease, right? And mm-hmm. every year at the same time of the year, they do a rental review. And then they typically increase if it warrants it. And uh, so we bought it when it was getting 420 rent a week. And we had an estimate of what it could get, you know, up to like, you know, 440 to 460. And um, that was your estimate, by the way. Uh, And we, yeah, like as soon as we had the contract for sale and then it changed when after I'd signed the contract for sale a couple of weeks later before even settlement changed to 450 a week rent. Um, so it went up 30 bucks a week in rent, uh, which was another good reason that we we're purchasing the deal. I'm thinking as, as we, as we even, I think about this more and more and more, there's so many uh, reasons why we bought the property. Hmm. And the, one of the bigger reasons was that yes, it's the DHA lease, and it was ending in a couple of years after a 12-year stint and there was that the growth, the capital growth potential from a mini, like very small uh, renovation because it's a three-bedroom, two-bath and there was a front room, which is basically a bedroom. All it needed was a door hung on that wall there for it to become a bedroom. Um, So that's what we were looking to reap in two, three years' time when the DHA lease finished that would boost the value of the property. But thinking about it now, like we didn't realise how well this property would perform. Like we were, I guess, you know, and that's what you do good is you are um, under-promising and over-delivering. Yeah, I'm not a good salesperson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Which is great. I mean, you you know, but you don't, you're mates this- and you're just straight up, so... Oh yeah, but it's my own detriment, I guess. But also, you don't know what the future holds. You know, like it, it's a, it's a sound exactly. It's all the principles. I mean, there's always complexities in the DHA was a which is defence housing for those listening, and um, there's complexities around the lease itself because um, 
Actually, there's so many angles we can go this. Yeah, um, let's go down them all because um, we've got time. So, yeah, the play was uh, by Low South House. I mean, going back to my point before, was this was a $455,000 purchase that was renting once it was settled at four fifty a week. So mm. right in that sweet spot around that 5.2% gross yield, mm. uh, which is, you know, Really, really strong. If you go around Australia now, it's actually quite difficult to find something like that. Well, there? even then, in the end of December last year, people were really struggling. Yeah, and this was that. this is this is the beauty about these deals that come up was um, with and it's a strategy I actually like uh, more and more now, um, which is the DHA Defence Housing. They have leases over it, so they rent the property out to. Um, defence members and by doing that um, they charge quite a significant management fee which is 15.5% plus GST. Yeah, so then it'll be about 16. 16.5, yeah. like gross. Or, yeah. or. And that's a lot higher than what you know most managers would charge which is around that 7.5-8% range in Ipswich. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to sneeze in a second. Yeah, that's fine. I think, I, I think I'm at 8, 8.8% in WA but they're a really good property manager. And it's, we've talked about property managers why it's worth paying a little bit more than, um, you know, trying to nickel and diamond for a 5% thing. Well, it also it depends what you get. So some people do gross, like like a, a full encompassing lease. That's what DHA do. They, they take into account everything in that fee. So the figure is high, but if you break down what they actually give back. For it, the investor. Yeah, for the investor is... It's really quite good. I mean, you don't deal with any maintenance issues unless they're large and then they're probably more insurance-based, but mm -hmm. they look after the property. They um, they cover all the maintenance and then they also re-carpet and repaint. Yeah, that's the, that's the end part. And that's yeah. like the, the, the kicker in like, I don't mind DHA leases, but only if there's a few years left in the lease because... Uh, from a growth perspective, it does hamstring it, and that's why we were able to get this property at such a great price as well. Was you can't advertise can't, yeah. the address of the property on realestate.com because it's defense housing. It's like a that's the clauses they have in the contract, so it really restricts the eyeball. So you know, people scroll through, they see a property, they might like it, but it says you know um, address available on request, and yeah. they they kind of skim through it because they're like, oh. Probably doesn't even exist, or yeah. it's in a shit location. Yeah, um, and this property we were negotiating on a different one with a, a sales agent, and they, and that's why we're constantly coaching people to say top of mind with real estate agents in their areas. They bought us this asset that I couldn't um, see on realestate.com, and I looked further into it once I found the address and got the details. Initially, it was like, oh, proceed with caution, DHA lease, and delving further into it. Um, realizing there's only a few years left in it but because it was held for over nine years in the DHA lease mm. that they on exit is they're required to do an internal paint do a replace the, the carpets and the flooring even do an external clean and do the landscaping so basically hand you over a yeah. uh, like freshly renovated property at the end they also pay the rates Sam no, they don't. Well, they have paid mine. Really? Yeah. Really? I thought. I, I thought they maybe they them. did. Maybe they didn't. Is and it the water rates though? Or no, it was council rates, and I sent it into their accounts, and they said, "Yep, confirmed. I've got the bill, and we've paid it." Yeah, it's payable. They pay it, but 
does your weekly or your monthly um, income reflect those rate reductions? Mm. Just check that. I'll have to check that, yeah. Because that's part of the service too. They pay your bills. Okay, yeah. In their 6.5% is you just give them everything and they just go and pay it for you. So you actually don't do anything? Yeah. Well, that's right. This this one I don't. They don't. It's not like um, my other property where they're like, yeah, we've got this thing happening. Do you want us to send a contractor out or these are the two contractors? Which one would you like to choose? And based on the price, um, it's just like I don't hear anything yeah. at all. Because they, they, they just sort it and yeah. pay for it. Yeah, and that's why they charge a higher fee, and that's why they get you actually get a really <laughs> a lot of value out of it. If you're looking for a more of a set and forget type play, yeah, um, the key was obviously set and forget for a few years, ride out that DHA lease. The risk is you don't want to have to sell the property in those two years because by having the DHA lease over it, you're fully just removing all the unoccupiers out of that market because mm-hmm. they can't move into it for two years. So. I saw this opportunity as, um, and especially the, the agent as well, wasn't too educated on the, on the market and what this thing was actually worth. And when it was bought to us, um, I had to stop myself from biting his hand off uh, <laughs> from that uh, point of view. I still negotiated a bit lower. but You definitely, you definitely <laughs> that's where I won in the, in the conversation for sure is because you had that negotiation skill you know, trained by like one of the best negotiators in Australia. So yeah, he's a weapon. Awesome. Yeah, he needs to get more into coaching and mentoring. Well, you need to get him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I floated the idea, so hopefully he's listening, Scott. Yeah, yeah. get on here, Scott. <laughs> um, chat here. But yeah, going back to that is there's, there's obviously a multitude of effects um, going through. I like the play of it's a three bed, two bath, double lock up built in 2011 that you basically could buy you know, for nearly replacement cost mm-hmm. um, in a really good growth location and um, had the ability with that front room, if you convert it to a fourth bedroom, increase your rents, increase the value because the value was a comparing it to a four bed, two bath. You've still got two additional living areas at the back. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was like this perfect little deal. Um, so hidden though, like not many people knew the little loopholes and the what to look for and ask. So yeah, it ended up being a really good deal. Yeah, and some people um, they don't like the DHA leases, uh, but once you actually scratch the service and understand um, what is involved, it's actually not too bad. Um, it's not for everybody, but and, and they're really hard to find. And also, a lot of the sales agents that sell DHA, there's actually like a specific company that really specialise in it, and they know the true value, and it's hard to get um, good deals. But that's the benefit of being in the market all the time. Is there's some there's some good ones and then there's some some very uh, great ones. Poor poor words there. <laughs> Exceptional ones. Exceptional ones. But yeah, this is a win. And um, I mean, the the rental component it, you always have to wait every twelve months. But then you as the owner too, you don't have to have negotiations with the tenant because they just put their own rent up. Yeah. Well, the DHA uh, decides what the rent is. Basically, even though they're the ones paying the rent, they still keep it at current mark. I think they get a couple of different reviews from a different outside. Um, we have a yeah, outside valuers, and they do that at the same time every single year. It just gets put up, and so that'll get put up actually. You know, at the end of this year, um, I want to share. Like you've probably seen the title, guys. Some of the like a part of like the cool results. Um, in the case study and stuff like that. But there's more to share to that. Before we get to that, I want to talk about how I purchased it. 
um, and then break down some of the costs, what it cost me. Uh, but how I purchased it, I decided to purchase. So the first property I bought in my uh, trust, and then the second one I bought, this one here, I bought uh, in my personal name. What I did is before I bought this, I went and refinanced my property in my trust to help me to, to use that as leverage with the banks to see that show them that it's profitable to allow my borrowing capacity to be more superior. So that's one thing that I did first. And then secondly, did you um, pull equity out? No, I did not pull equity out. I just refinanced it and decreased my LVR, which is really good. Yeah. So it helped me with borrowing capacity. Um, for buying again <laughs> also knew that the interest rate environment was just disgusting for trying to get something that's like positive cash flow at this time and so what i did is i decided to buy it in my personal name knowing that for the year or two or three or whatever it is where i'm basically negatively geared i can use that as you know against my taxable income my personal taxable income so it was kind of a, it's a win for me for my, you know, taxes, personal taxes, basically. Um, obviously, it's not the type of investment that I would want to go for and endorse people to go and buy negatively geared properties. Uh, but it was something that I could cop on the chin with how the interest rate environment was uh, to get me through a couple of years of, you know, at least still being, by, being able to buy property. Uh, I'd endorse negative geared properties. Oh, you would? Why? Well, it depends on where you're buying. For that reason? Oh, it's fair. oh this this is actually, <laughs> now I know why. Because of the property, this, this, this the, the insane capital. Yeah, growth. It came with the growth for it. Yeah, okay. So we'll share that shortly. <laughs> There's always a trade-off. Yeah. You, try, you try to balance the both the best. Which but. is really good because I'm close to being close to being well neutral on this it's still negatively geared not by much i forget it's you know maybe it's like 120 bucks a week or something like that or no i think it's a bit about 100 dollars a week right well Which, it's a pretty new property too so you get yeah. you get depreciation as well so you should um yeah get your points of area out there get a report done and then yeah. and then the tax you you, know, you break it all down um depreciation schedule right yeah, but even on a on a five point two percent gross yield, it should be pretty neutral. Like once you take account, if it's interest only loan uh, repayments, yeah, yeah inter it is is interest only loan. So let's go through the cost. It was four hundred fifty five thousand. Mm. I think I put a deposit down on like sixty something thousand, uh, and all up purchasing costs were about eighty thousand, with everything included. And deposit stamp duty legals, <laughs> and obviously. The buyer's agent fee that you had to pay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. Well, you know, I wouldn't do it for free, but um, yeah. at this time, is, is I was not going to let you do it for free. <laughs> no. Well, that's what I've learned later in life is that, um, you know, your time is important. Absolutely. And, um, if you're going to do a good job, then it just you need to sort of go down that path. And when you see the results, you know, that you get people, you can't not charge, like the work that you put in, you know, it's it's worth it. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of hours, a lot of time. But it's like, um, yeah, if uh, you do it every day, you get really good at it, mm. and then uh, it gets to a point where it doesn't feel like work. And then um, when people start paying you for what you do, uh, it's it's quite rewarding. It's an interesting 
interesting journey to go down. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And when you see the results people are getting, it's just like, wow. You know, yeah, well, that, that's the other thing too. Lives. It's like, well, it's, this is why I love what I do is that that property's gone from 455000 purchase price. I mean, we did the calc on another episode, but it's gone up around 25% in 10 months uh, based on what I had a look nine at. Nine months. Nine months, based on what I had a look at the other day. So that's, I think it was $95,000 just yeah. in, in capital growth. And you sit there and go, yeah, that's that's phenomenal. And during a time where, as well, the last 12 months where you actually saw Sydney and Melbourne house prices decrease, decreasing, and yeah. even in parts in Brisbane were decreasing. Um, so yeah. I'm excited to see where the next few years go with this one because it was that long-term you know, 10 plus. Yeah, we did not expect to see this. We did not expect to see the growth this fast. Um, but I guess how this came about, Sam, is before I went to my last trip to Bali, I decided to um, do a, get a rate review and they were going to send out an independent valuer. I'd organized with the value to go out and like the day that I was leaving, he was supposed to go out and do it. He didn't end up doing it and we couldn't get in contact when I was over, away. Came back and I emailed him and said, what's the go? Like, how come we haven't got this thing sorted? He said the bank decided to pull, pull it and not do the valuation. So I called up the bank this week and I went, hang on, like, let's get this, let's get a valuation done on this property because I want to decrease my interest rate, right? My interest rate is 7.3%, which is like awesome. <laughs> That's high. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was quite high. And so I, I called them up and was like, what's the go? And they, and I, I ended up speaking to the same guy, funnily enough, so weird, Bankwest. And, uh, He's like, oh, I remember, you know, you're in the Navy. I was like, nah, but the property's DHA. And, and um, he said, oh, I don't know why we pulled the value of doing evaluation, but I could look at it on the desktop and sort of see, like, where it's at. Um, and, you know, I reckon he said, what do you think it's worth? And I said, oh, just around, like, five, uh, up, like, mid 500s. And he's like, oh, yeah, I think you told me, like, the last time we spoke, we were worth, like, 550. And I was like, yeah, around there. And I was just like hoping, like just like yeah, let's let's see what you can come back with. And he said, "Oh, on the computer, it basically looks like you know I can get it approved for evaluation of five fifty. Um, I'll put that in now and just confirm that later." Um, but he said he's very very confident in getting that. So then that helped me to decrease my uh, interest rate. Sorry, yeah, my interest rate down from seven point three to six point five percent. Which on a four hundred thousand, four hundred something thousand dollar loan, six thousand dollar loan or something, uh, my interest payments have decreased three thousand two hundred dollars a year in interest. So I'm saving three grand a year, just over three grand a year. But the real kicker is ninety five thousand dollars in capital growth in nine months, mm. which is massive. And I did not expect that. It was just like I got the phone. I was like, "Fuck!" And I just told you straight away. I was like, "How good is this?" <laughs> That's why it's addictive. Uh, yeah. And obviously, the last few years have been really great, and why I'm still positive on growth in the Australian property market. It's going to get harder and harder with choosing select markets, but yeah, um, yeah the, the short term is looking quite promising. And um, yeah, I guess the, the key is to just focus on the location you're buying in and then the asset you're buying. Before we continue today's pod, I want to ask you a few questions. What is your property investment goal? What type of properties do you want to own? How many? What size valuation property portfolio do you want to own? And how much net income do you want to be earning? Essentially, what's your magic number in passive income that you want to be earning? And do you know how to get there? 
And if you do, do you know how to get there in the least time possible with the least amount of risk? Sam and I have been helping people invest in property and build property portfolios for years. People who are now replacing their income through property and we want to help you do the same. Right now, for a limited time, we are offering free property coaching to our listeners. We won't be able to do this forever, of course, so head to propertypals.au forward slash coaching. That's propertypals.au forward slash coaching to see how we can help you achieve your investment property goals. Link will be in the description too. Going back to what you're saying, with, with banks too, you can call up and negotiate your interest rate, but a lot of it is based around... If you can drop from an 80% loan-to-value ratio to a 70% loan-to-value ratio, it's a lower risk in the bank size and therefore they can switch their interest rate to reflect that. So yeah, so I was at 90%. Oh, true. Yeah, and I got down to 73. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so even if you're 73, you can probably call up again in next year and do the, just have a phone call, same yep. process, yep. and then they'll drop it or speak to your broker. And um, they should be able to sort of twiggle things in the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get under 70, it'll, it'll kick back down lower as well. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's addictive and it's cool to see, you know, the progression going through because that it was, is what's so key with, you know, maximizing your, your returns on your property portfolio mm-hmm. is that like Australian average sits around six and 6.8% on a 30 year growth basis. So like, um, Think about that for a second, like 6.8 is the average. It's quite nice. You know, the last 12 compared. months we saw 25%, which is which is really great. So that's uh, yeah, really outperforming the market by 3x. Oh, I thought you were talking about interest rates, 6.8%, not growth rates. Yeah, got you. Yeah, um, so yeah, growth rates, but um, you're still like here at the whim of you know, what's what's going to happen in the, in the global economy. Um, and you know, there's going to be years where it does nothing. There's going to be years where it might pull back a little bit. But you know, over the long term, it, it, the trend is your friend in this, in this scenario. Absolutely. And this is the thing. It's, this is why it's so good to share this is because a lot of people were sitting on the sidelines in property because of all the news uh, around interest, know, rates, exactly. interest rates and Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, but... You know, you talk about, yeah, it's good to understand the global environment but and the whole macro environment, but also then Australia as a whole, the average is one thing to look at. And then you've got these other areas outside of those, you know, Sydney and Melbourne, and you can find deals that like are going like, you know, there's different like little economies within a larger economy. Mm in australia and if you can find those ones or hire the right people uh wink wink nudge nudge <laughs> come and chat yeah. to us at property pals today you if you can find the right the right locations then you just buy in the right locations even when everything else is doom and gloom in fact if i look at like so many other markets even if you look at like the s p 500 over in america like it's been growing you know like it's going up and up and up and every, every all other news stories it's so different yeah, I'd say there's, um, I mean, 25% from a share perspective doesn't sound too good, but when you add in, you know, you put 60 grand into that. So yeah. it's gone up $95,000 on your 60K invested cash. So then you're kind of looking at that return on investment. You're running it, what, 150% return on investment yeah. in nine months. Like, it's insane. It's cash on cash. 
Cash for cash return. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then obviously if you sell it, you've got agents fees and capital gains tax in the way. Yeah, yeah. But you wouldn't sell it like just like you wouldn't sell shares after nine months if you were a proper investor. Well, history yeah, tells you to hold because of the compounding effects of time. But if you're getting that kick out at the start, which is so key, right? Like a lot of people go around, they invest in their backyard. They don't get that first few years of kick out. Yeah. They end up just, it costs them money because, because they're in their backyard. Investing well, in their backyard. Yeah, it doesn't have the growth up. prospects. Yeah. And then they've got the maintenance that comes onto it. And then it becomes a bit of a, you know, oh, I'm sick of holding this property. It's been two years and it's done nothing. And then that's when I probably come in there and buy it off you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love that. So that's where it beckons the question of like, yeah, what do you do next? Because like, and we'll talk about this on a, on the next episode or one of the next episodes about like, all right, uh, residential has been fun for me, and you know, as business grows and cash increases, and and then also these properties grow, you've got some equity there, you know. I'm I'm not gonna I believe I'm not gonna sell either of the residentials, good, really foundational properties, but you can do some things with equity there mm. rather than selling them and, and then taking like you know, if I was to sell it then I'd probably, you know, have I'd probably be able to sell it for more, but obviously I wouldn't be able to capitalize on the growth, the capital growth from changing that one bedroom to a uh, you know, uh well that, that one room to an actual bedroom, which would you know, if 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 I was able to do that right now, if if, if. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'd be a very different story, right? Like, I'd be, it'd be at six fifty. You saw a, a comparable sale, yeah, six hundred fifty thousand mm. dollars in that area for a four bedroom, two bath versus my three two. Yeah, once you drop that lease, you're in the sixes every yeah. day of the week. In yeah, basically what I see. I mean, you got sales in the street in the sevens, so yeah. it's um. Yeah, it's a ripper. Um, uh, so I'm super stoked. Everyone always talks about the good ones, but like it's true. There's also, I mean, I haven't. When really... when have you bought a shit property? Like, jeez. <laughs> like I don't like. Well, I, that's the whole reason of what I do. Like, yeah. I I look at like I, I don't believe I've bought a shit property because mm-hmm. um, there's so many risk checks and, and yeah. background checks, and also it's still time the market, right? Like. Yeah. I was valuing through that GFC period at the start. I, I think I, I was like, during the valuation period, I was doing a lot of, at the start, um, when I was an assistant, I'm just thinking back now, um, <laughs> we're doing a lot of, um, like, what do they call it? The uh, past valuations. There's a, there's a specific word for it now, it escaped my mind. Um, Retrospective valuations where we'd go back, we'd value the property as in 2009, 2010, based on what another value was put on it, mm. um, and try to understand why they you know, ticked off a certain property during this boom period because people were, um, you know, like banks were hurting. So people would default on loans, and then they would, um, this is why valuers are generally a little bit more conservative is because they are uh, at risk of being sued. That's So your job as a valuer is to go in and to assess the market value of what someone's say, paid for a property mm-hmm. and then the bank lends the money on that. So when the GFC hit and property prices in certain areas plummeted and people were in financial stress and just sold it, the banks were, you know, going after valuers because they ticked off a contract price. But... Here's, here's the, the difficult part is you've got um, a house in a very boom market, which you know, people probably would have experienced during 
2021 when we saw that nationwide 25% growth. And they were just climbing over each other just to throw more money out to actually get the property because they wanted somewhere to live or you know to have that asset. So um, we were seeing prices just, you're like, oh, I can't justify that on a comparable basis. But, um, you know, that was just the, the market that, that we were in. Um, and the value would go in, even even myself, before I left the industry, um, the, I'd go in and ask the agent, like, this is a high contract price. You know, what do you back up? Do you have any backup offers? Yeah. And I'd, I'd actually get copies of backup contracts. So uh, I'd yeah. put that in my evidence to, to justify you know, um, I'm ticking this off at $2.4 million because there's a backup contract of 2.38. You know, like yeah. there's multiple parties involved and um, that de-risks it from a, my perspective. Yeah. But the definition, you come back to any sort of court case, <laughs> definition of market value is willing buyer, willing to the local agent, arm link transaction where everyone we mentioned this another one. Yeah, um, and those those offers are contracts and arm's length, right? And that's the environment that you're in at that current time and that's real raw evidence. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So you try to de-risk it as much as you can, but um, they're not the markets you want to be buying into. Uh, you don't want to be like there's a lot of hype around Western Australia at the moment, in and you know days on market in some locations are seven days. And bring it on. Yeah. Good. Good for, good for you. Um, <laughs> if you bought before that that kicker, and that's what we're always in the market hunting. I'm scratching the surface to try and find locations that are going to be like that, mm. but not yet yeah before it gets to that yeah and that's it, it's it's constantly changing you know yeah. like it's sort of every six to 12 weeks we're looking into different areas yeah i just i mean i, I get um i work with some of australia's best location research analysts and experts and we spend a lot of time and money and effort um doing that right like and uh that's what's enabled us to outperform the markets because yeah we we have mentors have different it's a shame to see that people that are consumed by the news and do consume the news of certain areas that they have so much uh they've got only a certain amount of money and they go invest based on what the like the news is saying, you know, it's going up or going down and, you know, these areas and whatnot. When they are not doing their money justice, like they're not putting it into the best location, it's based on like by the time it hits the news, it's old, <laughs> right? Like, mm. which is a shame because if you, if you understand that there's like different like small mini economies all throughout like you know how one town might grow and thrive it's maybe thriving because of some other small economy in australia is lacking right and people move there or you know because of a certain reason or yeah. some a certain thing will happen between trade or you know uh, infrastructure and stuff like that all these small little economies that people just don't know or at least understand now that they're listening, they understand that these different small micro economies can can grow and can shrink at different times based on the big the big narrative that the the mainstream news is is putting out there. Yeah, you hear like throughout my journey, people would say <laughs> a metric is to when when you hear something on the news, do the opposite. Yeah, and I didn't really understand at the time. Uh, now I do, and. Uh, there's this 
there's always agendas behind media. Um, they're they're there to create uh, money. It's marketing, right? Like <laughs> it's it's actually crazy now once you start thinking about it. Um, I mean, you even go and watch the block. They're all drinking a coffee from McDonald's, and the the branding's pointing at you. Yeah, and then yeah. they then then every two minutes they cut to an ad break, and it's like the yeah. forward. Ford Ranger, you know, it's just like <laughs> far out, it's just constant, you're just getting bashed with it and we, yeah. even out, like, we're not even conscious to half the shit that's going on, but mm-hmm. um, learning about sort of marketing, it used to be like six or seven touch points would build trust, right? Oh, it's like 23. Yeah, I even heard it's 40 more, the other day yeah. and I'm yeah. like far out, like yeah. and you can't understand why because there's a lot of consumption going on and... Um, yeah, and also there's, there's a massive distrust going on. I feel underlying distrust in our economy, and rightfully so. I mean, my my dad went to the post office the other day, uh, and he he paid for the the post. Like, you know, he's seventy four, cruises on old kids. Legend goes in there. Legend pay. He's like, oh, I can't. Be, I don't want to do this online. I don't don't get it. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, boss. And the post office is literally like a five minute walk away. So. He hopefully he walked, maybe he drove, but anyway, he um he went there, he paid the postage, then he left, and then he said, um, by the time he got home, he got this text message saying, your payment for postage didn't go through. Click this link to update the payment. Oh no! Like, and then he was oh, like, no. he's like, what? And being case. Well, it's it's so timely though. But how, how is it? How's yeah. the accuracy on like he's geolocated? They know exactly what's like. It's scary, some of the stuff that people like. So he got scammed. No, because he's seventy four. He went, he went back in the post office and was like, <laughs> well, oh, well, "I've got to yeah. pay for this again." And they were literally just like, "What do you mean? You've already paid for it. It's already gone through." And he's like, "Well, what's this?" And they go, "Oh, wow, that's a scam." Oh. So I understand people just like even for us, we're uh, we're a um, nationwide uh, agency, mm-hmm. and then yeah, you, I, I've dealt with clients. Lovely humans, mm-hmm. great people, but like I've never actually physically met them, mm-hmm. and um, that can, yeah. If you get burnt, it can hold you back a lot, and yeah. But true. that's also restricting you from the quality of your your, your advice too. Like mm-hmm. you, absolutely, you've got mentors over in America that I'm sure you've never met before. Oh yeah, I've had business partners that I was business partners with for years, and still now, like I got business partners in you know. Um, Poland and stuff. So, like, yeah, it's, yeah, you, you got to well, you got to embrace it. You do, um, but with a healthy level. And you, yeah, you, you just you tick all the boxes and do your due diligence and stuff like that. But yeah, I think it was just worth us getting on and sharing that um, <laughs> this is a bit of a case study that you guys can go away and you know break down and understand that like you can invest at any time and make money, and it's not just about positively gearing, as <laughs> Sam said. Um, oh, it's a balanced can, portfolio because you have good cash flow and you trust. But yeah. then, yeah, the, a lot of people, there's this big buzzword going around like, oh, I want positively geared. And yeah. that's cool, but you've got to, I'm just going to educate you on, well, you can go get positive, positively geared properties. You're probably going to be in um, locations that aren't within growth. close proximity to a major CBD. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the capital growth prospects are still there, but. Um, you, you, there's always a bit of a trade-off. What do you weigh? Yeah, exactly. What do you weigh up? Like, do you want to earn an extra hundred dollars a week, so mm. five grand a year, or would you rather earn ninety grand or ninety-five grand a year? I mean, in, in nine months, you know, from capital growth. Like, what would you rather? Like, 
mm-hmm. I'll take the five grand or the ninety-five grand. Yeah, like it's. Uh, it depends on your obviously your your strategy too. If you're yeah. if you are requiring a heavy accumulation phase, you're gonna need that cash flow to help support it. But then there's different ways where you, you've got the a positively geared property. You've now got a slightly negative to neutral, which over two to three years will become positive anyway. Yeah. Um, the main thing is is you're not investing in a location that is on the outskirts of town with heaps of land supply. Absolutely. Um, like you can get those yielding properties that. Seven, eight percent, but they might also be like so in pockets of Rockhampton at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get those higher yielding, but you're getting a you know, a fibro house with yeah. asbestos, and mm-hmm. um, not, that's asbestos isn't bad. It's not like you know the worst thing in the world uh, as long as it doesn't crack and break. Mm-hmm. Um, but the age of the improvements are quite old, so you don't get any depreciation, and you know, your maintenance costs might be slightly higher. So. That initial cash flow you get on the Excel spreadsheet looks healthy, mm-hmm. but like you got to factor in. Well, I don't really know what the maintenance could be. It could be zero dollars a year. It could be two grand. It could be five grand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if your cash flow positive for a hundred bucks a week, then it, it goes your your five k pretty quick. It's funny to think that as well. Some people may have the perception that for borrowing capacity, I they might be really fixated that like I need to have something that's positively geared for my borrowing capacity so you can continue lending. However, if you are a little bit negatively geared like this one was and is and you've got an extra growth from capital growth, that can increase your borrowing capacity and exceed it far more than you know 100 bucks or so a week. Well, flip that on the other side too. You now have an asset because your LVR is lower, your cash flow is actually more as improved. So exactly. there's always, it's never one metric in anything in life I find. There's it's yeah. always, you got to look at multiple multiple aspects to, to make an educated decision. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it goes back to a, a classic uh, comment, which is you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you're not meant to. I mean, there's just exactly. so much information. That's why we're here, guys. Like, Listen to the podcast and reach out. Hello at propertypals.au. Like, mm. and oh, another thing too. Different strategies, right? Like next next property we're looking at for yourself. We're going to look into what's the opportunity of a commercial play because that's a high higher income asset. Um, there's pros and cons on that front as well. And we also um, had a mate that's recently bought a commercial asset. Well, he's under contract at the moment. So Dano, if you're yeah, listening Dana. to this one, <laughs> um, we're coming for you to. Get you on the pod. I yeah, reckon yeah. it'll be a really interesting conversation because he's just a he's a lovely human that needs to work out a bit more. I reckon. <laughs> maybe, maybe work on his. I spoke to the other day. <laughs> all he does is like play golf. play golf and like work out. He's coming to Japan actually with us for a ski trip. So oh, I should get him on the pod before Japan actually. Yeah, he's a good human. Yeah, um, but yeah, he needs to. And so, um, share his knowledge. Share his knowledge and his journey. I mean, like, yeah. Because actually before his story before that, like in property, because I remember he came and chatted to me. He's like, oh, Jared, I'm going to buy a business. Like, this is like, what can I do? And I was like, yeah, let's think about business. And then I sort of steered him towards the property um, route. And um, yeah, what he has done with his two properties and the wealth that he had built to get into the commercial play, it's pretty cool. Like, we should definitely get him and talk about like the pre- the pre-work to get to commercial. Yeah, and his strategy too was really interesting because you know, he he did he worked in um, 
and it, it had to, it, renting was a more beneficial um, option for him because he got you know a lot of rent um, subsidies through his work and it didn't make sense to go into a principal place of residence in that region and then it was an investment play and he was looking for you know, strong cash flow returns and had quite a healthy deposit so the commercial route um, and he was appetite for that and his partner and they they went for it and they had a crack and i think they've done, they've done really really well um mm. but their journey is something that people need to hear in my opinion because it, it wasn't smooth sailing i mean they've been looking around for over uh, nearly nine months yeah and just the patience and then helping them um so yeah. i started chatting to them almost a year ago mm. like just under a year ago about the yeah and then yeah Anyway, all right, we'll wrap this one up. Hello at propertypowers.au. If you've got questions, reach out. If you need some help, we're here for you guys. Yeah, see you on the next one.